All right, I am here with Paul. Thanks for being on with us, Paul. Uh, you know, we're going to get right into it with this investor manual interview to learn a little bit more about the cannabis companies that is currently investing in. Uh, Paul, if you could please uh, introduce yourself, tell us where in the world you are, and a little bit about you. Excellent. Well, thanks for having us on today, Andres. Uh, yeah, I'm Paul. I look after the mergers and acquisitions for recently became public, and our whole mandate is to consolidate profitable, smaller in particular, uh, profitable cannabis enterprises. Uh, we're focused mainly at this point on three markets, being mature markets, being Colorado, Oregon, and Alberta, Canada. Um, so yeah, we're rolling up, you know, there's a lot of smaller operators, about 1,500 in those three core markets of ours. And so we're doing a consolidation so that we can be one of the few uh, profitable cannabis companies that are publicly traded. The other piece that we're doing is we're also consolidating uh, or bringing into our fold some of the supply chain assets. So it's also it makes us a little bit unique. Uh, we have a lot of supply chain experience. Our team has over 100 years of cannabis experience, um, most of it being originated out of Colorado, but uh, we fully understand vertical integration, been there, done that and as well as understand the supply chain side from software to some of the other pieces within the supply chain. Fantastic. Uh, great. And can you let us know a little bit more? I mean, told us right there what markets you're focused in. Um, yeah, so it's just the mature markets at this point. Uh, we find that the newer markets are, you know, there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty and it's literally the pattern happens over and over again. It takes two or three years for, in some cases, four years for a market to stabilize uh, from a regulatory standpoint. Um, so the entrepreneurs are constantly having to chase the regulators, which can be rather costly. So we're, we're more only interested in markets that are mature, um, or we have a comfort level of that there's a regulatory certainty in, into the future, and it's kind of stabilized the market. Um, so that's what we're focused on, again, so that we know we have profitable assets. We're only interested in profitable assets. Uh, in those particular markets, but again, right now we're very, very hyper focused on the three we'll call it our three founder markets. Great, and what um, what parameters do you look for in a cannabis company that you would bring into you and find a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's gotta be profitable. So we're looking at, you know, everything in, the, everything in the full supply chain. So everything from cultivation, obviously cultivation to retail, that's pretty much a standard multi-state operator. Um, and we are actually consider ourselves a Can-Am, being a Canadian American MSO or multi-state operator. So we're very focused, again, on, on just having profitable assets, but everything from dispensaries, it could be the delivery segment, it could include some of the manufacturing, uh, all the way through to um, the, obviously, the dispensaries at the retail sales point. We're also interested, as I said, in other supply chain pieces. So that could be anything from the nutrients for the farms to other pieces from packaging, um, software, and so forth in, within the supply chain. All right, and what uh, what ha what do you do if uh, if the asset is not profitable yet? What, what do you suggest, or, or what do you have to say? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So we have to look at how close to profitability they are. Um, we have ways. We have other partners, um, other funds that we work with that are very focused on the startup portion or venture side of the business. We're, we're kind of like a mini private equity company, publicly traded. So we're very focused on profitable assets. But so we depending you know on what the asset is and how close they are or even if they're not close we have other partners that are very much interested 
uh, and keen on the venture side that we're happy to partner with. Um, they like it because they know that you know, after the asset gets profitable, we'll be the first ones in line to potentially want to acquire them. Great. Uh, and so kind of open door, obviously, as we're looking for profitable uh, entities, and there is kind of some room for you to communicate with non-profitable entities, but who should not be reaching out to you uh, after this video? Where it will kind of just be a waste of time um, to, to put their business in, in front of your eyes. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. We're we're always willing to help other entrepreneurs, especially in the cannabis space. We had a call the other day from somebody in a brand new state. They were brand new to it. And look, we have other opportunities. We have a franchise piece, for example. So even though they are just starting, we were able to point them and say, look, you don't need to go through all the problems and challenges that it usually happens. We've all been through this multiple times now. So we have a whole list of providers that could assist them depending on the project. So, or like I say, it's a good time for them to even reach us and like, I want to, you know, think I should do a grow and a dispensary and say, look, just, you know, we'll help you. So we don't mind talking to those folks. It's just, it's not something we're going to acquire. So we're happy to start the relationships. Um, and yes, it can be time consuming and it's more of a longer term relationship, but we're all about long-term relationships. So potentially they, they might want to buy one of our franchises for that particular state, for example. So I would say there's not anybody in particular that shouldn't call us. Uh, somebody that's just got a harebrained idea, you know, look, an email's fine. We'll always respond to the emails. And again, we have venture capital folks in the cannabis world that, you know, that's, that's their bailiwick is to focus on the startup concepts. You know, we're, we're, we're happy to help. We're, we're happy to help. Awesome. That's great. Uh, I think a lot of people will be happy to hear that. And, you know, now talking um, about a little bit about, you know, helping a lot of these entrepreneurs, um, what can they expect, not only in your due diligence process, but what should they prepare for in a due diligence process if they are seriously looking for capital? Well, in, in our process, which we're streamlining constantly, we're going to do dozens and dozens of acquisitions of, of smaller entities. And so we're used to the fact that they mean that for one, they've never been through the process before. But what they can expect, you know, as I said, is the purchase of a business is not like the sale of a house or sorry, the sale of a business is not like the sale of a house. So that's that's the first thing we warn people on that any business, not just cannabis, but any business, it takes time. But we do have a process where we can literally close in 30 days. Uh, because we have a multiple stage pro or a multiple closing process, because in cannabis, you have the whole regular regulatory piece that could be three to six months, you know, from the time the license transfers, but we have a very streamlined, uh, efficient. And because of our supply chain assets, we can actually close deals in 30 days, um, in a two-step or two-stage process. But to answer your question, get yourself ready, get your financials ready. You know, I know it's painful, um, but to speed up the process, you get your QuickBooks or whatever you're using, get it fully up to date, have your account look at it. And look, there's always going to be challenges and issues, and we understand that, but get it up to date so that it's done. And then we can actually, because we're always looking at the trailing 12 months. So if you say, well, I did my books up until, you know, December, 2020, well, great. You know, you better, you better, we can't really engage heavily until those trailing 12 months are done. And it, sometimes it, you know, it can be painful because a lot of entrepreneurs, smaller operators, they may do it quarterly, they may do it once a year, but that's from our standpoint, it's step one. You got to have your books uh, up to date so that we can then transact because as I said, if you can, if your books are in order, you're ready to go and it's a great asset, we can literally close in 30 days. Excellent. Uh, and 
can you give us some examples of businesses that you've brought on board and kind of how you guys have decided to structure those deals? Yeah. So, you know, officially went public um, about three weeks ago. So we'll be making our first announcements here within a couple of weeks in those core markets. But generally, you know, um, with a profitable asset, again, I won't get into specifics of of the multiples because that will also be fluid, but it, it is a portion cash and a big portion stock. So the folks that were participating with us, they're going to have the public company upside. And that's what our mandate is and our model is. And so look, if they're looking just to exit and walk down the street, well, that's an opportunity, I suppose. But for the most part, the entrepreneurs want to stay in. They're just looking for a little monetization uh, to, of, of the hard work that they've done. And we can do that. But the second piece that we're bringing to the table is they can also participate in the upside of the public company. And let me explain what I mean by that. Any asset, uh, a small business asset is usually worth, uh, and I'm going to use re- uh, multiples of sales instead of EBITDA because um, most, well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do both. So typically a small business is worth two to four times EBITDA. In a public company, you're going to be worth multiple times of that, 10, 20, 30 times even that. So that's what they refer to as the private public arbitrage. Public companies do this all the time. They don't even tell small businesses that's what's that's what they're doing, but that's the reality check. So we're going to buy businesses at you know half to one times revenue. And in, a, in the public company, it's worth five to 10. 15 times revenue. So we structure our deals so that our entrepreneurs can get some of that private public lift. So they're going to get multiple times the value of their business because they're contributing to our overall revenues and overall profitability. And they get a piece of that upside. So it's not just for the existing shareholders, they become a shareholder as well. But they also get to pull cash off the table uh, very healthily. Excellent. Well, Paul, we really thank you for for, uh, participating in this investor mandate interview. Uh, I don't know if there's any final things you or notes that you want to mention right now. Uh, we always like to keep these nice and brief so our members can move on right to the next one. But if there's any final notes you want to share, please let us know. Yeah, well, like I say, we're, we're happy to talk to everybody, even though you may not be in our core markets, is that we're here to help. You know, we're going to expand into the other markets, so we're happy to talk to anybody. But, you know, we will respond in due course. But again, we're very much focused on our three, but we're always happy to talk to other entrepreneurs, especially if there's entrepreneurs that really want to stay in, in other markets that we're considering, they might be might potentially be an anchor. And so if that's the case, that might open up the reason why we would jump into one of the other states. And how should they reach you then? Uh, they can reach me at Paul. And your website URL for? Excellent. Make sure to go. Uh, put your name and email address in there to get uh, a little bit more information on. And Paul, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in Dallas. You bet. Take care.